<laughs> Welcome to Aramis Analysis and a special guest this week from opponent Swansea City is Ollie Jeffries. Thanks for coming on, Ollie. No, pleasure to be here. Hope I can uh, help and provide some insight. I know yeah. it's a little bit disappointing game from, from you guys, but hope I can yeah. help in some way. Ruin my weekend. I hope you're proud of yourself. <laughs> um, but if you just want to start off by telling us a little bit about uh, what your role is uh, with Swansea. Yeah, so I've been with the club for six years now, um, working within the academy, within the youth development phase uh, structure, and um, worked all the way through, really, for, with all age groups. And currently, my role is, is leading the youth development phase. So in the, in the UK, that's from 12 to, 12 to 16. Um, so coach one of the age groups within that structure and, and help try and um, manage and, and lead that phasing department. So in, in a nutshell, for, for the layman, you know, be, between the ages of 12 to 16, yeah. what, what is it you're looking for so you can say that you've done your job to the best of your ability before passing a player on to the age group above? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess we've got we've got a few things that we look at. I mean, for what firstly we look at what is winning for us as an academy, um, and I guess the first thing would be in inverted commas one of our own. So the idea is we want to produce one of our own, and I'm sure we'll touch on this in the show. But Swansea are very um, it, it's within their culture to want to promote academy players and bring bring players through the academy and, uh, and give them an opportunity to to play in the first team. That's why we recruit the types of managers that we recruit and that's why we try and work in that in the way that we work. So that's really important. Secondly, if they can't go and have, have a career with, with us and play in our first team, we want them to go have a career in the game. We yeah. see that we see that as, as winning. And then thirdly, I guess we, we want them to have an, a real good lifelong experiences, uh, whether that's football-related experiences or external experiences. So we, when they come away from the club, they're more well-rounded as a person. Um, and they've had some real good life skills that can help them in the game and then can help them, them go on in a, in a career potentially elsewhere. And hopefully if we get them experiences right, it leads to them having a long-term love of the game and staying in the game in some kind of capacity as well. Yeah, like, like us old men who don't play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll try. Uh, it's, it's interesting to hear you and academy guys talk, Ollie, because I've seen both sides of the fence. I lived in England, you know, yeah. for the first... 25 years of my life and now I live in America and out here in America um, a lot of people are sort of fantasize the European academies and they want everything about American player development to drop out of college and education and sign pro as quick as you can um, so you've got you know an American system here where kids could come to Dartmouth College where I work get a degree from an Ivy League school and then still go pro at the end of it you know they have a major league soccer draft every year and a lot of people are fighting against that and trying to uh, make them go pro younger. And then on the other side of the ocean, you've got some real legit pro academies like yourself who are trying really hard the other way. You know, and you've got you've got the structure in place to develop pros at the top level, but you're doing everything you can to give them education and give them options so they don't just fall off a cliff on the other end if they don't go play for the first team. You know, yeah, so absolutely. It's, it's interesting dichotomy, mate. So just for the listeners who might not uh, have the knowledge you do, who are some of the, you know, the more notable and best players to come through the Swansea Academy? Yeah, so, I mean, the, the most notable ones, I mean, we, we've, we've been very fortunate enough to produce a lot of players. Uh, most notable ones, Ben Davis, who, who plays for Spurs. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's come through our, our system. Joe Allen, who obviously uh, was at Liverpool, plays for Stoke City and, and Wales. Yeah. Um, Daniel James, 
who was with us uh, from 16, who's, who, who was um, one of our big money deals that, that went to United, plays at Manchester United now. Yeah. Um, Ollie McBurney was also part of our programme, uh, came, came a little bit older, and now uh, we sold him for 20 plus million. He's at Sheffield United in the Premier League. Yeah. And then, and then you got your current crop, our current crop of players um, that you will have seen playing in the recent game. Connor Roberts, who played right back in, in the game that we're going to talk about, who's who's now Welsh international. Uh, one of one of the best prospects that we got coming through that, that was actually injured for the game, which is a surprise, was a guy called Joe Roden, um, sent half for Swansea, who's who's been touted for for Premier League clubs, clubs looking and big Premier League clubs potentially looking at him. Um, and then we, we had uh, the centre-half that played in the game, Benny Cabango. He's been at the club, he's 19 years old, been at the club for, uh, for a while. And the skipper, the skipper's been through, Matty Grimes came through the academy. Jay Fulton, who played in the game, was also involved in the academy. And we had a couple of lads that came off the bench in the game as well. George Byers and Jordan Garrick, who have, who have also come through the system as well. So kind of real high-end profile players and then boys that are, are now recently coming through. Well, and, I, mean, I, I think that's a pretty you know, outstanding resume, to be honest with you. And, you know, if I'm going to whine a little bit, a pet peeve of mine sometimes in the youth game is, you know, we hear a lot that, um, you know, we're not focusing on results, we're focusing on development. But to do that, then you need to be able to name players that you have developed and who have gone on to compete in the professional game. Because if you're not getting results and you're saying that and you're not getting any players go play in your first team or other first team's then what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like you have to have some substance at the end of the uh, at the end of the pipeline. And, and there's some fantastic work going on in the UK. There's some fantastic work going on in some great academies, great processes, and some real good players. But the the key thing is the opportunity and giving players the opportunity. And when we were in the Premier League, that was more difficult than it is now, just because of the calibre of players, just because of the emphasis on trying to stay in the league. The finances, the finances are completely different. So in that way, coming to the championship has, has been has been fortunate for us. But the most important thing is having a chairman and a manager and a and a culture from the club that wants to give you players an opportunity. You know, we're, we're a football club that we don't have the big money to spend on transfer fees. We don't have the big money to spend on on wages because um, we're, we're we're coming into our third year out of the league. So we have to look internal. We have to look internal from a financial structure in terms of you know it, it helps support the wage budget. Uh, we have to look in, internal from giving players an opportunity to help develop them as part of the first team squad to then make money on them as well, like like ones that we spoke about. So that's the important part of our of our business model, um, as 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 well as as well as the style of play. I'm sure we'll talk about as well. You know, when you come through our system, you come through our system playing a certain style of play, which now doesn't change when you when you develop into the first team. So that helps that pathway and uh, structure all the way through. And alongside wanting to give up young, um, our young players an opportunity, it's also because we can't play the big wage or transfer fees, we're able to try and get the best young talent in the country as well. Um, so a lot of boys that you will have seen playing the game, you know, the likes of Freddie Woodman, the likes of Rian Brewster, you know, the, like, the, the likes of Conor Gallagher. These are young British homegrown players from, from other academies who are top internationals that will come to us now because they know they're going to get an opportunity to play. And they know they're going to get an opportunity to play under a certain playing style and way of playing as well, which they're yeah. used to be accustomed to. I mean, the game went as such. I didn't see much of Woodman, but I do remember him winning the U20 World Cup with England. That's right. Um, yeah, that's right. But I, th I thought Brewster was very impressive. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure 
you know, not only is your own academy a success, I, I do think you're right now an integral part of the Newcastle and Liverpool academies because, yeah. you know, I, I'm not one who complains when Premier League clubs don't give so much a route directly in the first team because I think it's a big jump and I think it's a it's an argument with substance to say that a U18 game to a Premier League game is almost a different sport. Uh, but if you can get exposed to pro games under the pressure, and I would say in front of crowds, but there was no crowds yesterday, <laughs> but usually in front of crowds were points on the line, I think that is emotionally and mentally a huge part of player development. You know, you can't just go through playing U18 games to all of a sudden you need a result to stay in the top league in the country, if not the world. And, you know, we've seen a lot of interviews. Beckham will talk about his time at Preston, you know, growing some steel. Deli Alley will talk about his time at MK Dons. And I'm sure one day Brewster and Woodman will talk about their time at Swansea. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're mindful of that in the academy pathway as well. So, you know, the likes of Connor Roberts has, has been with Middlesbrough. He's been with, he's been with, uh, he's been with Bristol Rovers. He's been with Yeovil. You know, Dan had, an, Dan had an opportunity to go to Shrewsbury. It didn't quite work out. Joe's had loads. Ollie McBurney had a, a lot of loads. So, yeah. like you've said, it's, it's an integral part. And it's more difficult for Premier League clubs because the, the level is so high and the, you know, the, the fight for points and the fight for, for survival in the league is, is so high. And the recruitment is so much different because the wages that you can play. So, players need an opportunity, you know, and there's lots to talk about if B leagues are going to be effective. But we've got, a, we've got a good league structure in, in the UK, which does allow players to get different experiences, which hopefully then they can come back into their, their homegrown team and, and show what they're capable of doing then. Yeah, yeah. and Middlesbrough are doing the same thing. You know, you saw Patrick Roberts yesterday, yeah. uh, Manchester City loanee, uh, yeah. Lucas Metcher, another Manchester City loanee. And uh, so Woodgate's following a similar model of trying to get some Premier League talent, you know, at the uh, at the start end of the career, while you can buy low, so to speak, and get them on relatively cheap fees. Whereas if they pan out, these guys are going to be, frankly, unaffordable <laughs> for, yeah. for middle brand Swansea. Yeah. So onto the game, uh, which I'm sure you're looking forward to, and myself not so much, Ollie. But <laughs> let's let's get this over with. Um, talk me a little bit through. Um, the Swansea point of view, you know, Middlesbrough coming into this game, we're under pressure. You know, yeah. there's been a three-month layoff. Um, we had a win against Charlton to lift us out the bottom three before it. But um, it even went as far as people to say the, the lack of a crowd would be an advantage because the home atmosphere had become so fraught and tense. Um, you know, you got an inexperienced manager in Woodgate and uh, results not going our way. So we... We're seeing ourselves in a relegation dogfight here. What's um what's the Swansea outlook coming into this game? Ex excitement, excitement, everything to gain. Um, the mentality from from Swansea perspective was we're three points off the playoffs. We've got a we've got a real good young hungry hungry squad. There's been a lot of talk in the championship, and I'm, I'm sure with you guys around, players not wanting to play because they're they're coming to a stage where they've got another move coming up. You know, and we're in a period where this is the busiest period British football has ever experienced. It's a busier period than the Christmas period. So there's a, there's a risk of getting injured and not wanting to play. Well, we've not had any of that because we, the, players, the players don't have that mentality. They have the mentality where they want to play to prove themselves because we've got a, young, a younger squad. Yeah. And uh, at the start of the season, there's two things I'll say. At the start of the season, we were top of the league and, and flying. And... Um, we felt that the we, we we were seeing this time as as almost like tournament football, 
And the manager that we've got, Steve Cooper, has obviously had experience of winning the World Cup with England in tournament football. And one thing that we know with the manager is he's, he's very organised. Um, he's very structured with his game plan. He's created a good culture in the, in the environment, the players. And we knew that we were going to be prepared for it, enthused by it and motivated by it. And from a Swansea perspective, it was seen as everything to gain. Everything to gain. And if we could get off to a good start, that puts us right in and around the mix to, to, yeah. try, and, to try and get in the playoffs. And uh, to, uh, to show you the other side of that coin, and you know what, some of the issues uh, Johnny Woodgate is dealing with at Middlesbrough, his star centre-back, Daniel Ayala, has you know, made it pretty public he's not going to be playing. Uh, yeah. Contracts running down. Um, we're into a relegation running here and a centre-back that's been a stalwart for the club for six, seven years will not be taking part in it and isn't at the training ground. So they're emotionally... There's very different sides of the coins coming into this game, right? And it's, uh, you know, it's already advantage Swansea, at least in terms of, it seems, energy levels. Yeah. Um, now, an interesting uh, lead on from that is you made an observation, you know, sometimes when you're a manager, if you're in a tough spot, you will react to that by trying to inject emotion, trying to give a team talk, trying to rally your team. And you made some observations on Woodgate early in the game and Middlesbrough's approach early in the game. What was that, Ollie? I watched the first, I watched the first three minutes of the game and um, I was gobsmacked, to be honest. I couldn't, I couldn't believe the intensity that Middlesbrough were trying to play with out of possession, um, particularly, particularly with the time that we've, we've spent off. And I, think that, and I think in some ways that was credit to Woodgate. Um, I think that was down to... That was down to how he'd spoken to the players and the spirit that he'd given to the players, the enthusiasm that they showed to try and to try and win the ball and get the ball back, and the tactical idea that he had during the game. Um, and I think you could see. I mean, I, I remember saying to the, I remember saying after the first three minutes, "Wow, they're not, they're surely not going to be able to keep this up," because I thought what they were doing was was physically impossible to sustain for longer periods for long periods of time. Yeah. Um, so I watched the first few minutes in kind of admiration for how motivated he had the players from an emotional standpoint to, to try and close down and press and, and win the ball back. But also from an intellectual standpoint of looking at it going, the long-term sustainability of this as the game goes on, I question, I question how, how they're going to be able to do it. And, you know, I was there to be shot down. But after three minutes, I turned around and said, this this could be uh, this could be very interesting and could get very could get very difficult for them if they don't get success early on. So I mean, you're talking in isolation about a game there, but I can tell you a form of that it is panning out on the season long level. You know, I, I don't think I think someone would be insane to question Woodgate's passion for the club. Absolutely, the and, and you could see that you could see that with how the with how they started the game. Yeah, but I don't have the number in front of me right now, but I, there is a startling number of equalising and winning goals conceded by Middlesbrough in the last 15 to 20 minutes, you know. And I, I'm a believer, motivation, pep talks, rallies, passion, you know, it's all right, but it doesn't get you through 90 minutes. And at some point, being a veteran and being a good game manager and making alterations that some of these more experienced coaches can see plays in. And I think there is, there is massive question marks about that at Middlesbrough right now. now Ironically, you know, the, I would say, how do you react to that? Do you sack him? Do you get rid of him? And do you bring someone else in who's new again? Or do you let him develop and learn like you would a player? It's, a, it's an unwinnable debate because 
we had Gareth Southgate at Middlesbrough, uh, but right. we had him at the same point in his career. It was his first job and he didn't do very well. You know, he was stitched up a bit personnel-wise, but he, he took over a team that was coming off the UEFA Cup final and he, he got relegated ultimately before getting sacked the next season and the argument was you know you sacked him in second place but you sacked him in second place of the league below he took over in so you know that argument's a little bit disingenuous um but I personally you know you're going to want to see some sort of tactical progress and if we continue to see either being blown away by an opponent like this one or when we get to those tight games you know, conceding late equalizers, late winners, it's it's unsustainable. And, you know, a, a relegation to the third tier would be crippling. But we're two points away from it. Um, maybe less now, to be honest with you. Man. One game away, effectively, and it's uh, it's all a bit worrying. You know, and if we go to the game, uh, first chance of the game comes from Middlesbrough. You know, George Friend goes, uh, goes down the left wing, puts a cross in, and there's a header wide from Rudy Gestead. And... Um, I think Gestead was a bright spot for Borough somewhat. I mean, there, you know, you're going to get a lot of fans will say there was no bright spots because we got B3-0 and that's fine. But when we, when we did manage to get the ball into the box, he did win the headers. I thought he had the better of the Swansea centre-backs. Um, he did win some flick-ons. Uh, I would say one flaw in the Borough was if you're going to play a striker that big and send the ball to him, you need the number 10 close enough to link when he knocks those balls down that he can't quite control or... If you're going to send high kicks to him from the keeper, you need a winger high inside the fullback and you can turn that into a goal-scoring chance, which we didn't in the first half in the, the 4 2 3 one. We did a little bit more in the front two in the second half. Um, but I, I thought maybe the one area where the Borough were the better team is when balls went into the box, the Mills were centre-forward, out-jumped the centre-backs. Um, that's about it. <laughs> but what did, what did you think of Rudy Gestead? Yeah, I mean, from, to give you some context from a Swansea perspective, our our first two choice centre backs weren't playing in the game, um, so yeah. the players that have been playing first choice have been Mike Van der Horn, who's recovering from an injury, and Joe Roden, who's obviously we spoke about before, come through the academy, yeah. and everyone was expecting Joe to play, and uh, it announced before the game that Joe Joe had got a, a thigh strain. So the two boys that played, oh, I thought you were going to say he saw the size of Gestead and changed his mind. <laughs> <laughs> the two, so the two, the two boys that played were were Benny Cabango, who's come through the academy and Ben Wilmot who we've got on loan Benny Caban goes 19 and Benny and Ben Wilmot's 20 so young players learning their trade not a vast amount of experience in championship football and um, Ben Ben Caban goes physically physically good athlete and I was really looking forward to seeing how both of them were going to cope with Rudy Kestead um, obviously, particularly looking at Kabango from as an academy coach perspective, to see how he's going to cope with with someone of that uh, someone of that physique, um, and I guess the the early signs were were encouraging from that perspective, and that's how I expected the games to flow. I expected Borough to try and create a lot of like wide overloads to, to put balls in the box, to create crossing situations and play to their strengths, and to play into Gestern and look to link and play off him. Um, and I think Swansea, looking back at the game, did have to defend a lot of set pieces. They did have to defend a lot of free kicks, a lot of corners. And as the game went on, the strategy that they used probably probably was was effective in the end. But that was definitely a sign of of uh, something that Middlesbrough could potentially look to look to develop moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that. Um, and what I'm thinking off the top of my head here, and you tell me if you're thinking the same thing, but. If you're telling me that there is two replacement centre-backs and there is um, two young centre-backs against Rudy Gestead, 
have Middlesbrough really missed a trick there, not either going with a front two or putting more emphasis on getting the wingers close to Gestead and getting Lewis Wing closer and running past him to put more, more pressure on those centre-backs? Because even though they lost the aerial challenges, in my opinion, they're still 2v1. You know, what if they were 2v2 with a, you know, Gestead winning those and Britta Sombalonga running off next to him? That could have been a lot tougher. Oh, yeah. actually, Fletcher up there with them. Like, do you think that might have might have changed the game, or certainly put those two under a give them a much more difficult game to play? Yeah, I mean, I think it's down to players' style of philosophy, isn't it? And and what they've been working on, and what they've tried to been working on to exploit Swansea's Swansea's system. Um, they would have probably prepared prepared for Joe to play. Mike was always going to be injured for the game, but Joe was was meant to play in the game, so they they would have known that one of the two of the young lads would have played. Um, and perhaps that what he, that's what he was thinking second half. You know, he, I know he changed the system second half to try and put two two players up front and closer together and and to work towards that. But yeah, I guess what you're saying is you've got to look at the profile of players that you've got available and try and maximise their strengths in relation to to your idea of how you want to play the game. Yeah. You know, whether it's a Swansea way, you want to try build and play through and create create attacks through through forward thinking possession based football, or whether that's a different approach. Like yeah. as long as you have a, as long as you have an identity and a style and a way of doing it, there's no right or wrong as long as you fully believe in it. And I think if you fully believe in it, the players will end up fully believing it, as you probably saw with with some of Swansea's goals. Yeah, definitely. Um, so George Friend is involved at the other end soon after, when yeah. uh, he just just about falls over, and yeah. um, your winger there is uh, is away and chips the ball. I think comes back off the goalpost, Kalulu. Um, I yeah. think so. That's shot one fired of um, of the Middlesbrough fullback struggling. To be honest with you, I think personnel wise and ability wise, the Middlesbrough fullback struggled, and uh, tactically they were exposed a little bit. Uh, one little runner play I did enjoy that we went over together before the podcast is Jake Bidwell gets high and he ties up the uh, the Middlesbrough right back Johnny Housen. and as a result, Andre Ayew, the winger, now checks in the midfield and he's getting marked now by Lucas Metcher so you know two things one that's a long run back for Middlesbrough's right winger and two that is a 20 year old attacking player marking Swansea's leading goal scorer with 80 caps for Ghana who scored goals in the Premier League I mean that is a systematically a complete mismatch right yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess from a Swansea perspective, it's the the kind of one that you're talking about. It's, it's a pattern of play that that will be worked in training all the time. Um, and I think, again, I don't know, but an observation that I took from the game with Middlesbrough playing this four-one-four-one system and trying to play with two number tens in aggressive positions, the areas that Swansea tried to exploit were either side of, of uh, Adam Clayton because that's where the spaces were to exploit to break the line and find the spare player. Um, and I think, and I think, how Swansea did it effectively was they used Conor Gallagher off one side, and then Andre Ayew played on the inside off off one side, and then that allowed Jake Bidwell to provide the width. And I think that caused Middlesbrough some problems. You know, Nemanja are up to stop the ball being played inside to Andre, um, so the ball ends up going, being played round. And as soon as the ball ends up being played round, you know, the idea for Andre is to make you run in behind into the space for a slide pass and a cutback. That's yeah. a pattern play that Swansea will work all the time. Um, so I guess, yeah, in, in, in the context from a Middlesbrough point of view, the, the idea is to stop, stop being played through, make them play around you. And then communication between fullback and winger is something that we would teach the academy of, of when, you, when you pass over that responsibility. Because yeah. the fullback can't release if the winger's already gone past his winger because 
you can never press if there's a free man. If you press and there's a free man, well, you press and he's going to slide the free man and then you're taking out the game. So I think yeah. it comes down to communication between the full-back and the winger. I mean, I know Johnny Howson doesn't necessarily play right back all the time, does he? And maybe Nementia's more of a centre-forward. So that could yeah, be... He, that could he's, be played, been, a, he's played a lot of right-back. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, um, I think there is, uh, there's maybe better options, which we see at half-time, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. so um, I think Johnny Howson could only release if Nementia, yeah. if he knows Nementia's covering. And I think yeah. if he knows that Ayu's got the run on Nementia, then he probably has to stay. But I think it's probably just down to communication that Hauser goes and talks to Nementia to, to pass him on. Yeah, and for anyone listening who's not quite grasping that, maybe a little bit more visual and you need the picture, we're going to put up on Twitter um, Ollie talking through with a screenshot of the games. You know, TV rights won't let us play video footage, but we got some screenshots that Ollie will talk through more detail about the build-up to a couple of the Swansea goals and that play in particular. And that's going to be at Eremus Analysis on Twitter, which I don't know about you, Ollie, but I think that's very fun to say. No um, so we go the first 15 minutes, you know, I think, I think it's nil-nil, but I think Swansea are starting to show that they've got the upper hand here. I think Middlesbrough, it's showing that down both flanks, we're going to have some issues here, the way the game's going. And it doesn't take long. Um, in the second 15 minutes of the game, to open the score, and you know, Ayu has uh, torched Housen with a one-two, drove to the byline, sent his crossover, and Rian Brewster, who you mentioned, Deloney from Liverpool, is there um, near post with a one-touch finish. Um, small detail, very poor positioning from uh, the Middlesbrough goalkeeper Stojanovic for me. You know, he he doesn't recover over very well when Ayu squares the cross, and if you pause, which we'll put the screenshot on Twitter. When, he, uh, when Brewster hits this ball, he's actually at his goalpost. He's barely even in his goal. And he's megged for good measure. So not, not the greatest. You know, I think Brewster's had a good game if Liverpool are looking, but I think it's fair to say a Premier League keeper saves that one. Uh, but talk us through a little bit of what you saw regarding the, uh, the build-up to that goal. Yeah, so I guess, I guess from, from our perspective, it comes back down to the conversation we had at the start about a clear intensity from a Middlesbrough perspective to press the ball and to get the ball back um, in central areas and in wide areas. So I think this comes in, I think this, I think this goal comes more in transition where Swansea win the ball back and it gets played to Andre. And so the, the profile of Swansea's front three, Andre, uh, Rian and, and Kalulu, very, very athletic front three. And what do they love? They love spacing behind to attack, you know, and Middlesbrough ended up on the day played a very, very high line in the first period and wanted to press aggressively, which gave, gave Swansea the space. So I guess the first instance is in transition, Hauser releases himself and goes all the way to press Andre in a position where he tries to win the ball back, which leaves obviously space to exploit behind. Um, I think Clayton's dealing with Gallagher, which leaves that, that space that we've spoken about in that, in that second channel, which Rian, which Rian then drops into. Um, Rian drops in. And shot goes all the way in. So you've got Housen that's gone all the way in with Andre in Swansea's half. Rian's dropped in and shot has gone all the way in. Well, you're playing against athletic, clever footballers and all of a sudden, simple wall pass. You play out and around and then you're, you're, at, you're, at, the back, you're at the back line. And, yeah. and you're, you're attacking almost full space in the, in the, in the Middlesbrough half. Um, Andre does really well. Does really well, drives through the ball. Um, and I think Swansea end up getting 3v2 in the box. From what I saw... Kalulu, who's the right side of midfielder from Swansea, makes a really good run across the front of Friend. 
yeah. goes across his eyeline, which attracts Friend towards the front post. Clayton, I think, is dealing with Gallagher. What that, what that run does is it creates Rian to be the free man. So, the, so he takes Friend out the game. Friend was doing a 2v1 job before, but his run across the eyeline takes Friend out the game. Rian's the free man, and it's a, it's a simple cut back and, and finish. Yeah. Good stuff. And goal two, not long after. And this time, you know, it comes down the other side. Um, shot and pushes high during the build-up. Uh, ball goes out to the right winger, Kalulu. Uh, George Friend pretty slow over to close down, you know, especially inside the penalty area where you would think there'd be a lot more urgency to get over there and block off the cross. And cross is hung over to the back post. Uh, Shotton's chasing back from his high press earlier and Brewster's just about wide open to, to volley it in. 2-0 uh, lead Swansea with the goals coming, I think, three minutes apart. Uh, what, were your, what were your thoughts on that goal? Yeah, I think for, again, without having the goal in front to talk through, it's a little bit more difficult. But I think this was probably a goal that Swansea had worked on in training. Um, or not necessarily a goal, but ideas that they'd worked on in training to try and exploit some of Middlesbrough's, try and exploit Middlesbrough's shape. You know, I think if you split the pitch into five and look at five channels across the pitch, one thing that they would always try, one thing that they would have tried to exploit was, can we find positions behind the line of middle for the number 10s and either side of Adam Clayton that he can't get across and cover? Um, so in this instance, uh, you've got Bridwell providing the width, you've got Andre in the pocket in the second channel, and it's a decision then of, um, of when, when, when the, when the centre-back jumps, he jumps in a, he jumps, but he jumps when Andre can turn. So he, yeah. he, he gets there, but he doesn't really get there. And once he, once Andre can turn, he leaves himself dead. And I think I think just before that, I think the full I think Johnny Housen goes and presses Bidwell, so he goes full back to full back. So again, Johnny Housen taking out the game, ball into Andre. Andre gets turned, Shotton's too late to close down. Andre gets turned, plays the pass, and then and then Connor Gallagher off the back of Clayton. And then I mean Connor's got Connor's got number of decisions he can make. Then I mean Swansea are in a position if you stop it still, where they're four v two from two passes, yeah. you know, from a pass out from pass out to Bidwell back through and play to Andre. Andre turns, shotting out the game. The four v two at the back line within, within two passes, um, and then it's just a case of make, making good decisions. I think from a from a Middlesbrough perspective, when it does event, if you actually watch the clip, I think Connor takes an extra touch. Ball goes to Kalulu, and. Um, Rian Brewster standing in a position where Shotter would generally be. You know, and the first Middlesbrough defender's got to try and screen and stop the cross. And then there's three Middlesbrough players playing against two Swansea players and they kind of leave Rian free. And um, Shotter doesn't get back in time. They don't probably see Rian, and, and whether it's Adam Clayton that probably has to fill in. They probably don't see Rian free and uh, Kluder finds him and, and he, he manages to, to finish well. Yeah, so the pain doesn't stop. And 34th minute, I think this just about puts a wrap on the game, or at the very least gives Middlesbrough a mountain to climb. Um, I think Coulson makes an error. I think he's a little bit naive in the build-up to this goal. You know, Fulton, uh, centre-mid, number six, receives the ball. You know, his, his right shoulder is going towards goal. Coulson makes a sprint at his left shoulder, allows himself to be beaten real easy with a first touch. Then it's a ball forward into the... Uh, in the penalty area and a foul by a friend who was just, you know, he's had a great career at Middlesbrough, but he's not had a good game yesterday, anything close. And AU penalty 3-0. Anything particular you noticed 
in the build here? Or what are your thoughts, you know, as a, as a Swansea fan slash staff member at this point in the game when this goes in and it's 3-0? Yeah, again, at, at this point, Swansea were look Swansea were looking good really when when whenever they had possession, and um, I think this moment came in transition and simple principles, win it back. Can you play forward? Forward passes, forward runs. Conor Gallagher makes a great forward run off the back of the midfield line and gets slipped in, and like I said, Frank comes across and and gives away a penalty, and and from there it's a a good position to go in after thirty five minutes for for Swansea, and you know. As you said, with uh, uh, Conor Gallagher, Rhea Bruce had a chance before with Kalulu hitting the post. It's 3-0, but really it could have been could have been 4 or 5 at that point. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so we get to half-time, 3-0, which sadly is a relief. You know, and again, there's a, a good portion of Middlesbrough fans going to listen to this and just not want to hear anything other than how awful it was. But I do think Woodgate did well at half-time here. Um, he switches to 3-5-2. Um, and you can see why, you know, if you're going to play a flat back four, you're using the theory there that you're going to have four men across the back line. You're going to defend the wide areas and you're going to sacrifice for that an extra third man in central midfield. And if your, your fullbacks are just getting torched, you know, left and right, which literally Middlesbrough were, what's the point of a flat back four? So we've got an extra guy in the middle of the park. Now, uh, we got Jed Spence, who I thought was very impressive sub on at right wing back and do a better job defensively than Housen and a better job attacking than Metcher in my eyes. Um, and frankly, I think he's just a better player than both of them. Um, so I think he was a good addition to the game. And I do think, you know, I don't think Middlesbrough ever broke him down, but I do think the 15 minutes after uh, half time were Middlesbrough's best spell of the game. You know, the front two put more pressure on the centre-backs. There was more shots. There was a few corners. And had the game started like that, woulda, coulda, shoulda, it may have been a different story. But at this point, I'm not, I'm not thinking we're going to come back. But you've you got to understand, Ollie, as a Middlesbrough fan, we made four goal comebacks in a UEFA Cup quarter-final and semi-final. So we, we'll never give in. We're so irrationally optimistic sometimes. <laughs> um, but I thought, I thought at this point, if we do get one back, you never know it's a game. Uh, but we never did. What What were your thoughts on the the start of the second half? Yeah, I mean, the start of the second half. I think he brings he brings he brings makes two changes. I think Patrick Roberts comes on at the same time as Spence, and yeah, uh, the first thing the first thing that I said is expect a reaction. You know, uh, with 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 the intensity that they played the first five minutes of the game when they came out, with with how motivated they were. You know that they've got a manager that's going to give them, uh, that's going to enforce and make sure that there's a reaction coming out for the second half, which which we were expecting. So the idea at half time was right. Okay, if we can get through the intensity of the first five ten minutes, then then we should be okay. So we were always expecting a, rea- a reaction. I guess what we did expect was the tactical change um, and the way that he changed it. Still with the same idea, in my opinion, in terms of wanting to press the ball high, wanting to win the ball back. Uh, quickly wanted to play with intensity without the ball so still the same idea just with a different tactical idea of, of how they went and did it um, play with more of a front three I know Patrick play, Roberts played behind the front two but play with more of a front three and say to Swansea right you're not going to play through us you can play around us and when you play around us wing back you go all the way and deal with your full back and centre backs you've got individual responsibility to get tight and to win your 1v1 duels yeah. and um, 
probably took Swansea, I would say, about five, ten minutes to work to, to change and tweak some of the things themselves tactically. Uh, I think one thing that I noticed is, you know, Swansea ended up trying to play with their full-backs deeper um, to, try and get the, to try and get the middle wing-backs to, to press higher and to come out of their slots more to create space behind them and then to create more opportunities for Swansea to go into, into get into 1v1 situations. Uh, but again, it definitely had a, a positive impact from a, from a Middlesbrough perspective because whereas Swansea were creating more chances playing through, playing through the areas that we spoke about before, the chances we spoke about before, there was now different spaces to exploit and different ways that Swansea had to exploit them, which they probably hadn't prepped for in the game and they probably had to solve it in the moment, which yeah. is why it probably took a little bit, a little bit longer for, uh, for them to find, find solutions. Gotcha. And I do think those solutions were found, you know, because when I'm watching a game, typically, either coaching or as a fan, you break it down into these spells. And if you're going to go to the 60 to 75 minute mark, I think it slows down. You know, I don't think Swansea are carving out many chances. I don't think Middlesbrough are doing much, to be honest with you. The wins kind of come out the game, which with a 3-0 lead. You'll take that, right? You know, keep some possession, manage the game, see it tick down, head into the last 15 with the, the opposition three goals down. Um, I think one thing that maybe revealed the dynamic of the game is Roberts uh, was in the middle of a crowd of three defenders. Um, he's trying to dribble. It's a bad decision for me to be taking that many touches in a crowd of three. I think a clear mind and a, and a non-frustrated player will be looking to uh, complete a pass and move and get it back. And then when he takes a heavy touch, he goes flying into Matt Grimes, and you know he he might be uh, he might be lucky to want to get a yellow. Uh, speaking of yellows, before half time, um, that's a red, isn't it? On your on your yeah. boy Kalulu. Yeah. yeah, very lucky, very lucky. Yeah. Um, so I, I do wonder if that's in uh, the referee's mind because I think Kalulu's was worse, but they're just two reckless challenges by. You know, I don't think it's guys trying to hurt each other, frankly. I think it's two attack-minded, attacking technical players who aren't very good at defending, who are uh, overly enthusiastic. Maybe there's a bit of frustration in Roberts, but I, I don't think he's out there trying to trying to get Grimes stretched off the field, you know. And the same with Kalulu as well. I don't think Kalulu's trying to hurt hurt the guy. Yeah. But, you know. I don't, I don't think many players do that at 3-0 up, do they, Ali? No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, but the other thing is, if there's a crowd there, if there's a crowd there, it affects the referee in a different way. Oh, that would have kicked off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's, um, that's the trade-offs, I guess, of uh, the crowd. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, though, on the pre-game narrative about the crowd, you know, I, I'd heard, like, a lot of things, you know, not just on Twitter, you know, some, some friends of mine who were season ticket holders that the atmosphere was getting to the point that it's not helping the team. I can only imagine what it would have been like after I was penalty. Mm -hmm. made it 3-0 in the first half <laughs> we might have been alright with no crowd there we might be one of the few teams in the league who might have dodged a bullet having no home crowd to be honest with you <laughs> um, so we go at the last 15 minutes and you know it, effectively it's game over right you know and I know there's, there's, a, there's a late chance there for Swansea but what were, what were, your, what were your thoughts on just the closing, the closing stages of the game yeah, I mean, it got to a point where Swansea um, Swansea presses stages, they press in triggers, and they don't necessarily they don't necessarily press or play the same intensity when they're in a block. The Middlesbrough tried to to play in the whole game, which was probably more effective. But it definitely got to a stage for Swansea where three 0 up, and, and it was new, fresh legs. Um, and I think you know we were able to we were able to take off 
the likes of Cody Gallagher, the likes of Andre Ayew, the likes of Rhea Brewster, the likes of Jay Fulton and put on fresh players. And uh, later on in the game, we were, we were probably, I think one of the frustrations of the manager was the, we, we could have been a little bit better with the ball, you know, and a lack of enthusiasm to try and go and create. And probably the changes with players coming on that want to make an impact and try and get involved in, in the next day's squad probably gave us a little bit more enthusiasm, a little yeah. bit more adventurousness. And uh, we ended up creating, creating a, a couple more chances later on in the game. And I think once we were able to find solutions to, to the system that Middlesbrough were playing and, and get our wide players in more 1v1s or attract, attract centre-backs out of position and forward runs from our number 10s from Conor Gallagher, I think we were able to create, create a lot more chances. Yeah, and we're talking about these players, and I think it speaks to, you know, the squad building job you've done there at Swansea. I mean, this one of these guys is Wayne Routledge, right? This is a, this is a name you take a second look at when you see him subbing on in the second half of a game. Like, oh, <laughs> he's he's on the bench because that's a it's a good player. I think he's certainly one that could help Middlesbrough right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's one of Swansea. It's one of Swansea's uh, strengths at the minute, and probably. Probably having 19 players in a squad probably helps us at the minute and being able to make five changes. I mean, the, the nine players we had on the bench are all first-team senior players. And like I said, that was without the first two choice centre-backs being, being out of the squad as well. Um, so it's certainly helped us being able to introduce the quality that, that we were able to later on in the game. Good. So you, you've got your win. Um, and I hope you've enjoyed uh, talking about it, Ollie, because after 3-0, I'm never talking to you again. <laughs> um, who's your next game? And what are your thoughts on that? Yes, we play Luton Town at home. Um, That'd be so, big favourites, right? Yeah, so Luton obviously bottom of the league at the minute, yeah. and um, and obviously coming off the result at the weekend, the, a lot of the results favoured us this weekend as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nottingham Forest dropping points, Preston dropping points. Plus, us, we were going going into the last weekend or going into this weekend, we were three points off the playoffs. We now go into next weekend one point off the playoffs. Um, so there's obviously a great incentive for us to to go on and and to try and perform well again. But again, it's it, it'll be process for the players. It'll be looking at how they did this week. It'll be looking at how Luton set up and and what strategies that they can use to exploit exploit Luton's system and and make sure that we we impose our playing style on the game. I think that'll be that'll be the most important thing. And keeping the group together, keeping the culture together, and and uh, yeah, hopefully getting a, a positive result to uh, to take us in take us into the running. Yeah, so Middlesbrough go to Stoke next week. Okay, I've uh, got a real week to prepare for it. Um, you know, off the back of this game, I'd be expecting involvement from uh, from Jed Spence at the very least. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I know you've got a week of scouting Stoke if you're the Borough staff, but I wouldn't be shocked to see us go out there with a back three, wing backs or a front two. Um, what are your memories of Stoke when you've seen him play this season? Uh, we played them. It's interesting. We played them at the Liberty this season, and um, it was the managers, the the manager in charge at the time. He was going into it potentially being his last game in charge at Stoke. Is that, is that Nathan Jones, who's now the Nathan manager? Jones? Yeah, yeah. He came off the. He was on the back of a real horrendous run, and um, he kept, they came to Liberty and they actually played really well on the day. It was almost like it was his last chance and. If they didn't win, he was going to get sacked. And um, they got some really good players. I mean, Joe Allen on the day played played in the ten role for them, who who is obviously a Welsh international and an excellent footballer. But yeah, yeah, they they played really well on the day, and they beat they beat us on the day. Um, so they're a team. For, again, I don't know too much about them, but they're a team with with Premier League players, with international players. You know, that have got 
got a high wage budget coming down for the Premier League. So, and with lots of changes, I know they've got a new manager in charge now. I'm sure, it's got a different style than we saw with Nathan Jones. So, I haven't seen them play recently under under Michael O'Neill. Um, but obviously, I know them individually with some with some real talented players. So, I'm sure yeah, I mean, you, you read through their team sheets and Jack Butland, Captain yeah. Ryan Shawcross. Yeah. Bruno Martins Indy, who's been Bruno, he's been to World Cup with the Netherlands. Yeah. Tom Ince, uh, Klukas. So there's plenty of names to concern you, and I can I can tell you one thing that interests me narrative-wise is I don't think anything can happen now where Jonathan Wungate looks back on this season as a good one. You know, I think we're past that. I think we're just trying to steal right now, and if we can, then uh, let's start again. Um, but I do think. You know, there is, there is stepping stones and there is landmarks in your, in your career if you're early as a manager. And I think going away from home under massive pressure to Michael O'Neill, who I think is one of the more decorated, experienced and respected managers in the division, I think that's a little notch, notch in, his, uh, in his belt, if that's the old saying. If he can get a result there, uh, whether he can or not, I have, I have some worries, to be honest with you, because the, the stone personnel concern me and uh, the the fact that when Michael O'Neill took over, they were buried. And if you look at them since O'Neill took over, I'm not sure they're quite the relegation contender that people think they are. But give me, give me some hope here, Ollie. So you've watched Middlesbrough for the first time, maybe the last. What, what were some, uh, some things you saw that you think we could uh, implement to get some points, you know, avoid relegation, strengths of the team? You know, if you were taking the Middlesbrough job tomorrow, what would, uh, what would, you, what would you be looking for um, in terms of that's good, I can use that, we can get results with that? Yeah, again, for me, difficult to say because it's only the first time I've watched, it's only one of the first times I've watched them and seen them. Yeah. Um, I think the positive thing is there's a clear, there's a clear uh, intensity and enthusiasm from the players to want to get after the ball and want to get the ball back. Um, but I think more importantly, it's it's the playing style. It's it's how they're going to play to to use the profile of their players the most effectively they can. So it's it's looking at who who are the best players. How can we play most effectively to their strengths? What's the game? What's the what's our what's our way of playing going to look like to get the best out of our players? I think that's that's how you've got to look at it. Um, and then you know to get the best of our of our players with that playing style, how are we going to do it against? The, how are we going to exploit the the opposition's weaknesses that we've got that we've got coming up? And who did who, who did you have down as the top three Middlesbrough players? Uh, well, I thought when they changed the system, uh, DJ, DJ Spence came on and did well. Was the threat? You know, uh, was was effective. Carried the ball, carried the ball well. Won some free kicks and was effective going forward. Um, I liked Patrick Roberts when he came on. I think, you know, he's trying to play between the lines. He's trying to be creative. He's trying to create and slide and, and, and score. Um, and then your front players are, the profile of your front players are, you know, are, 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 do give you a certain way of playing. Yeah. They like to be, like to be players that you can play into and, and um, use that physical presence to play off or play into or, would deliver from wide areas, so I'd say Rudy caused Rudy, Rudy at the start of the game was was someone that I was looking forward to watching from a Swansea point of view to see how both Ben's got on against him. Yeah, but I think you know they managed him; they were able to manage him effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, with Hamid as we tried to play the game. All right, prediction for Swansea season's end. 
What are we looking at? Oh, I hope we make the playoffs. I hope we make the playoffs. I think we've got the capability of doing it. Believe full belief we do it. Um, we're just gonna we just gonna try and stick to one game at a time, as as they say. Should you make a playoff final and yeah. the extra time shot on goal, what are you gonna do without Gary Monk there to block it? <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to want Joe Roder's back fit. You can, uh, <laughs> He can he can stop it going in before he go before he goes away to go gets transferred to somebody else. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> and uh, prediction for Middlesbrough. You've seen every team in the championship by now. What's your prediction? Well, I hope after speaking to you that they that they're able to stay in the league. Good, um, I hope I hope that matters. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, yeah. I hope they're able to get. I hope they're able to get the points that they need. Yeah. What are your thoughts personnel-wise? You know, because I'm, I'm of the belief that the Middlesbrough personnel and talent level should not be where they are. But what, what do you see when you look at them playing, when you watch the league? Yeah, I, I think identity is really important. I think, they have a, I think they have a strong identity without the ball. Um, I think at times they probably needed to be a little bit more compact and, and they needed to defend a little bit more together at times. I think the distances that they had to cover were, were quite big. Um, and looking at the profile of Middlesbrough's defenders as Swansea's front three, to play that aggressive way with a high line probably was to their detriment in that game. Yeah. Um, but I think you'd like to see a little bit more identity with the ball. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean an identity of being able to play through, being able to, being able to play a possession-based style. It just means a, 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 an, a, an idea with, with how you're going to create chances. I think that would be what the manager would be... Could be exploiting your stead, right? Yeah, exactly. That could be whatever the manager looks for. But I think a strong identity with, with how they're going to play with the ball is something that, they, that will probably benefit them. Gotcha. All right. Well, thanks, thanks for your time, Ollie. No problem at all. Hope you uh, found it useful. Sorry, sorry for uh, upsetting your weekend. Oh, no problem. I mean, you're not forgiven, but it is what it is. <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, yeah, all the best. All the best for the rest of the season. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck next weekend, and uh, up the borough. Thanks for having me.